This is Tech Talk Detroit with Brian Spurgeon and Chuck Lobert. Tech Talk Detroit brings you the latest in tech news and Detroit happenings every week. Hi, welcome back to Tech Talk Detroit. We're happy to have you with us again. Uh, my name is Chuck, and we've got Brian here with us as well. How are you doing, Brian? Good as always, man. Just surviving the winter here and uh, <laughs> sailing in for another year. Hopefully a different one. Right, yeah. I feel like I'm barely surviving the winter. I hate the cold weather anymore. But it is what it is. I guess I'm getting through it. Uh, but, you know, it's been a little while since we've... Uh, had a podcast and we apologize for that just with getting into the new year it's been kind of crazy uh, at work with the new office and everything getting in so uh, we're trying to get back into it now uh, we apologize for the uh, short hiatus there but we're back now and uh, we'll we'll try to keep on a, a good schedule here this year uh, so we thought you know we'd dive right into it um, today and we've talked in the past about Microsoft 365 We've talked about the basic settings that you should always have within there, like MFA and different security settings and all of that kind of stuff. What we wanted to touch base on, though, was some of the auxiliary services, some of, some of the add-on services that we always recommend with Microsoft 365 that we feel like really anybody that's using Microsoft 365 really should consider having these different um, add-on services and we call them you know auxiliary or add-on because they're not necessarily provided by microsoft there may be options through microsoft but uh, a lot of times we'll um, recommend different third-party programs to kind of that bolt on to the the microsoft 365 suite and you know there's reasons behind all of them so you know we can kind of talk through that uh, you know what services we always recommend and then we'll talk through why you know what the the value is of them and and the benefit that you'll see so um, you know we'll get right into that uh, you know for starters uh, you know one thing that we always recommend and, and this is probably one that a lot of people don't really think about because there is the service built into the microsoft 365 uh, platform and that's spam filtering but we always recommend a third-party spam filtering. Um, you know, Brian. You know, when we think about spam filtering, that's usually, I guess, one of the the top things that people will ask is, well, doesn't Microsoft have their own built-in? Mm -hmm. And the answer is yes, they do. But why do we recommend a third party? And you know, there's lots of different yeah. reasons for that. But you know, why don't you touch base on on some of those? Yeah, I think there's a couple ideas behind it. For one, um, when it comes to security, you've already got all of your data in Office 365. So I think there's just a, a general um, consensus that it is good to, to differentiate your security posture a bit. Um, so spam filtering is an easy way to just kind of get that other um, oversight outside of the Microsoft realm looking at your, your emails coming in and out. Um, but beyond that, I think while you know certainly the Microsoft spam filter is better than nothing if that's what you're what you've got you absolutely should have that enabled if you don't have a third party but I do believe there's a lot of um, benefits to and there's a lot of different products out there but but going with a third party spam filter um, for one I think that a lot of other companies are doing it a little better in terms of the uh, usability for end users um, things like a, a daily held mail report that gets sent out that is a very you know high level easy to read email um, that that users get overnight they can easily look and say you know hey that mail I, I was actually expecting that email that's that's somebody I deal with all the time it's easy to click one button 
have a ticket fire off. And, you know, for us, our help desk gets that request, we validate it, and then we whitelist it. So it's a pretty seamless transition between, hey, that's a real email I'm supposed to get. Um, and then also, you know, you can also just get an easy report to see all the stuff that is getting blocked every day. Um, so I think the the usability is a huge um, benefit. Um, and the Microsoft, they, they just haven't, they don't have that one click um, ability figured out yet. I'm sure down the line they right. might, but you know, as of today, that's that's what we're seeing. Um, I think the other big thing though is um, in terms of, of using the third party um, is the, the amount of flexibility you have over the controls. So uh, a lot of them have a very detailed level of thresholds you can set. And, and what I mean by that is the sensitivity of the of the spam filter. So um, what we find with Microsoft, anytime we've used that spam filter, it's, there's a lot of um, a lot of tweaking, and, and the period of of learning is is a long time because the 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 measures that we use to to track whether or not it's valid or not are very um, there, there's only so many in the Microsoft realm. These third party ones, there's you can easily turn it up and down on the fly. Um, to, to get that right level pretty quick. So I think the the learning curve between the um, the service and your email, um, and I think is is simplified when you go that route. Yeah, so I think you know what we see a bit with the Microsoft built-in one is stuff getting blocked that shouldn't be more often, or stuff getting through that shouldn't be more often. You know, the the you got to fine tune those settings a bit more than you do generally with the third-party ones that have been doing it forever, and that's kind of all they do. So they specialize in that. So the settings are a little bit easier to use, and you know, right from the right off the bat, they're kind of set really at an optimal standpoint. Um, you know, and if you've ever listened to any of our podcasts previously, you know that we're big Microsoft fans. So it's it's not that we're we don't buy into their platform or anything like that. It's just that in this particular instance, we do see mm -hmm. where the third party just tends to do a better job, you know, from a different few different perspectives, like we've talked about. So, um, you know, that's always one to consider. And, you know, like Brian, like you mentioned, there's lots of different options out there. I mean, mm -hmm. if you if you search for spam filtering, there'll be countless mm -hmm. uh, options out there. And a lot of them, are, frankly, are good. So, uh, you know, there's not one in particular that we would say is the best one or one in particular that we would say is the worst one that we know of. But, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of good ones out there. So it's uh, definitely worth looking at. Uh, you know, so moving past, you know, spam filtering, I think the next one, and again, I think this is one that comes as a surprise to a lot of people, is backup. And when we think about backup, you know, people think, well, obviously I need a backup for my server, I need a backup for my data. What people generally don't think of, though, is that they do need a backup for their Microsoft 365 data. And I think the reason is everybody just assumes, well, Microsoft's backing up my data if I'm in Microsoft 365. And frankly, that's just not true. There's, there's certain thresholds that are in place, certain retention policies that are in place by default so that uh, your data might be protected for a certain amount of time, but it's very different from a backup. So as a, for instance, the default retention policy in, in Microsoft Exchange, and correct me if I'm working off of old data here, but is 30 days. Mm -hmm. So if I delete something today and 29 days from now, I remember that I deleted it as long as I haven't emptied out my, not my deleted items, but my, I, I can't even think of the name of it, but um, cycle bin. My, my, my recycle bin or my recovered deleted mm -hmm. items is what I was trying to think of. Um, I can then go back and recover that, that email. But if it's 31 days, I can't, it's gone forever. There's nothing I can do about it. There's no backup to go to 
it's simply gone because I'm beyond that that retention policy. So that's where we would recommend a third party backup solution. Um, and you know, why don't we talk a little bit about you know, like we're we're also a Datto partner, and that's the the solution that we recommend for. Um, for Office 365 backup as well, but it goes beyond email, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think again, this is another one. There's several companies out there providing the service, um, but I think from our experience, what we've tested, Datto is doing it the best. Um, so that's that's where if we're recommending, I would definitely say the Datto solution. Um, but it's it's backing up all of your Office 365 accounts as it pertains to your email. Um, also, it's backing up your SharePoint sites and all of the data that you have in SharePoint, which is huge. Um, it's backing up Teams conversations now and Teams data. You know, as 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 companies get more into the Teams realm, we're using that to send a lot more, um, you know, important company data back and forth. So it's good to make sure all that stuff's captured. Um, and then also, it's backing up users' OneDrive data. So I think the key is is you know again Microsoft's great product their cloud is amazing um, the likelihood of microsoft going down and, and your data being lost is you know pretty slim however what i think um what you find is beyond just backing up your data there's a lot more use cases for having a solution like that in place i know for us you know as especially with when you're looking at sharepoint you have a lot of users collaborating on a document and yes you have versioning and stuff turned on in sharepoint but that's only going to go so far and, and what you can find sometimes is if it's a commonly used document those versions create pretty quick um so you can kind of override data faster than what you you know what you would think and i think we've had a lot of situations where companies reach out and they're like hey you know, can we go back like a month on the spreadsheet? You know, we really we messed up a field and we were calculating all this data that's been incorrect for the last several weeks. So I think th that's where this comes into play. We can easily go back to any point in time since the backup's been started and roll, you know, a single file back, a whole directory. Um, so I think that the ability to have that that backup traditional backup like you would on your file server at your office, it's nice to have those options on in the cloud. Um, and then also, I think from a compliancy standpoint, you know, it's 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 good to be able to have backups and archives of all this stuff. And, you know, if you're in a situation where, you know, you have a, a let's just say a salesperson at your company that for whatever reason, you, you know, you know, you're going to move on from them, but you're worried about them, like taking their clients, taking their data with them, um, deleting out their mailbox, whatever it may be, right? Trying to trying to make sure that you know whatever it was that's prompted you to be suspicious of them that they're not clearing it out. More often than not, employees know, um, you know, when the microscope's on them um, before you've ever right. actually engaged them, and that's just you know. So from this standpoint, it also helps you from that to make sure that your data, your company's data, is protected as well. Um, you know, sometimes. Employees could be you can go down this route for two, three months before you finally get to a point where you you decide to move on. And it's nice to, to be able to know, to be able to go back and, and see that you have all of your data collected. So I think that's a couple of very common use cases for this, but totally recommend. I think everybody should have some type of, you know, uh, third party backup as it pertains to your Office 365 data. Yeah, and we we feel it's necessary, even if the only thing that you've got in Microsoft 365 is your email, but obviously the more that you have out there, if you're if you're using Teams and OneDrive and you're using SharePoint and so on, 
the more important it becomes because the more data you've got out there to worry about. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. If especially like if you think of if, if you're using SharePoint to host all of your company data, you have you pretty much have to have. It, you mm -hmm. would never have a server sitting in your office with all of your data on it and not think, well, I got to back that up. But for some reason, when people throw it out to SharePoint, that that doesn't cross their mind. And I think it's because they just assume, well, it's it's at Microsoft Cloud, so it's getting backed up. So I think it's important to to know that that's really not the case. I mean, it's kind of, sort of, but really, it's it's not being backed up. So uh, you have to you have to think about that and take care of that on your own. Mm -hmm. So you know, moving past uh, backup, you know, the other one that we recommend a lot that uh, we also use internally is uh, the e email signature management, and that's really now where you're kind of standardizing all of your signatures across the company, and you know, that was something that we saw, you know, when we started looking at the signatures as we were emailing kind of back and forth, is everybody had a slightly different signature, either you know, maybe an older version of the logo or somebody had their title and somebody else didn't or somebody used their picture and somebody else didn't like there's all different kinds of things. So, you know, of the 20 people that we had in the company at the time, we probably had five different versions of the signatures out there. So we went to this platform to be able to standardize our signatures across the board. And then there's other capabilities that you get that go along with it. I mean, obviously, you got your your branding capabilities. Um, and you know, just kind of having everything standardized, you can tie it right into your um, Active Directory so that you can pull the data, like um, job titles and phone numbers and addresses and all of that kind of stuff directly from there. Uh, pull over your users so that it auto, you don't have to kind of go through and manually input all of that. So it, you know, most of them out there they tie right into Office 365 um, and be, are able to to pull data, uh, you know, among them. And then the other thing is you're able to add that same signature, which you know you figure typically if you're using Outlook and you're using, say, a tablet and a phone, you're going to have a different signature when you're on a mobile device because that's just the way it works. Generally, you're going to have uh, more of a text-based signature when you're sending from your phone versus you're more of an HTML-based signature when you're sending from Outlook. What's nice about these solutions is it, it gives you the ability now to, regardless of where you're sending from, have the exact same signature. So if you're sending from a mobile device, it'll just add that signature on as it sends it. If you're sending it from Outlook, it'll add it on as you're typing out your email. You'll still see it just like normal, but you're able to have that same consistency regardless of you know what kind of device you're using. Um, and then also it gives you some abilities to do some marketing from it as well. You can run different, um, you know, campaigns like, you know, some people will run specials or, um, you know, different things like that, that where they can add and set up timed um, email campaigns or, or signature campaigns where it'll append different things to their signatures based on when they're sending it. Or, you know, some people might use this for something like a holiday message or, if there's a certain uh, time when the office is going to be closed or different things like that that you can just set up in one spot and automatically have it add to all of your signatures so just uh, you know a nice uh, platform nice uh, easy way to kind of standardize everything across the board it's generally relatively cheap as far as an add-on is concerned and like I say, it ties right into Office 365, generally very easy to set up. You're able to just tie the two together, pull over all of your users and pretty much auto deploy it. Uh, generally, you know, probably within an hour's worth of work. It's, it's pretty straightforward. So, uh, you know, that's one that we always recommend as well. Um, 
you know, just because it's it is an easy one to do and it, it helps the company from a, a branding standpoint and from a marketing standpoint. So um, you know, I kind of took that one over there, Brian. Sorry, it's kind of uh, the, the one time I can talk about marketing as opposed to to listen to you talk about the technical side of things. So <laughs> oh, you're you're muted, Brian. How 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 used to saying that have we gotten? I know. Over the Actually, past I had the double year? mute. I'm I muted Teams <laughs> and I muted uh, my microphone. So, no, I didn't want to steal your moment. You know, I had to make sure I was piped up for that one. So, it was my my once a year. Yeah, I didn't want to I don't want to carry the whole podcast. So we had to kind yeah. of even it out a bit. It's okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> so. The next one that I thought we'd talk about, and we have talked about this in the past, so we can just kind of talk, you know, touch on it briefly. But it is very important anytime you're talking about Microsoft 365, and that's multi-factor authentication, right? Everybody should have that on, you know, within the Office 365 platform. There's third-party tools as well. So I mean, really, just kind of to take a step away from from what we're talking about right now, which is the Microsoft 365 platform. Really, anything you're doing. If you have the option to, to turn on multi-factor authentication, whether it's with your bank or I mean, anything that you're doing, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but you should always select yes. You should always yeah. be doing it regardless of what it is. Yeah, and I know we've hit this several times on previous podcasts, and that's why I wanted to make sure we we hit it again. Is just it's I feel like this is a point that can never be um, belabored enough, but ultimately, yeah, multi-factor, two-factor, it's all the same thing. They call it different things, different places, but, um, you should have it anywhere where it's an option. You should have that turned on. Um, it's, it's one of the, the biggest, um, ways to be alerted when there is potential, uh, activity going on in any of your accounts. Um, you know, once, anytime you get that notification of, Hey, here's your, you know, six digit code, or did you do this? That should tell you right then and there there's something wrong and if you think about it without that feature enabled at that point in time you've already been hacked because the only way they're getting to that point is if they already have your password so that's where it's to me it's just uh you can't preach it enough like you said especially financial institutions you should have it enabled um, but also from your business especially as well um, your end users are always the your biggest risk in a company and that's because of, of things like, um, you know, spam emails and all this other stuff we're talking about. But the second one user gets exploited, that's that's now, it's like uh, going to sleep and leaving your back door open, you know? So um, that that's really the key to it is, is stopping it. Um, because even if your user account does get compromised and they have your password, that two factor is that last lifeline to make sure they can't get in. And without that enabled, your, your account's already been compromise so and more often than not you're compromised we've talked about it though but you're, you're talking two three right. months sometimes that um, people are sitting in your business and you don't have you have no clue about it so i think yeah no doubt um you should have that on and also uh, you know admittingly as annoying as it is to have to right. do two-factor all the time especially with like the financial institution stuff you know they've got the biometric now i know for me for for a lot of the apps i can just use my fingerprint and that's awesome yep. because it's no big deal um but beyond that you know that's where the microsoft product has a bit of an edge over some of um the other ones in terms of just having a little bit of control with doing conditional policies you know it's a little easier to do it when it's in that microsoft umbrella um, but you can do things like you know, um, any requests coming from 
within the IP address of my business. We know that anybody in this building, you have to get into here securely. So anything coming from inside here typically is going to be a trusted um, method. So you can do things like uh, bypass and two factor um, in a situation like that if, if you want to kind of limit the impact where anything, you know, coming from any uh, any IP outside of your business is then forced to do two factors. So there's a good compromise you can do without it being, you know, too overbearing at times, um, but also, you know, maintaining that level of security. But yeah, I think that's that's an absolute no matter what, you know, just like spam filter, this yeah. is just as important. Yeah, and, you know, I, I was going to say too, yes, it is annoying. I, I hate when I go to Amazon and it wants me to enter in the two-factor authentication to be able to go in and buy whatever it is I'm looking at. So I get it, but what's more annoying is having to go through and cancel all your credit cards and change over your debit cards and all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff because you didn't do it. So it's totally. as annoying as it is, it's 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 a must. Uh, I even have two-factor turned on on my app that generates the two-factor codes. So <laughs> that's how serious I take it, you know? Yep. I mean, it is what it is. I've learned to accept it and, and maybe take it a little further, but. Do you have a lock to get to the lock on your door too? No, no, door's open. <laughs> so yeah, the last one that we wanted to touch base on is uh, is ATP advanced threat protection. And I'll let you run with that one, Brian. I know yeah. a little bit about it, but you're the, you're the expert there, much as I yeah, hate to say it. For sure. I mean, I don't want to get too into the weeds because with this product, it's very easy to do that as with almost any security product. But ultimately, um, the advanced threat protection, it it provides a bit of an overlap with spam filtering, which in this situation is a great thing. Sometimes, you know, if you have overlap and and certain security uh, applications, antivirus, things like that, it can be, they kind of can conflict. But in this situation, I think it's nothing but beneficial. So, um, ultimately what that's going to do is kind of give you a, you know, um, AI machine learning element to your email and how, how data comes in. So it's very used to how your patterns of use are in office 365. So when it starts to see activity that's outside of that norm, you, you can do things like flagging accounts as potential risk factors, which would then trigger a workflow for somebody to go and improve or, or validate. Um, but also it gives you a lot of like sandboxing features, which is ultimately, you know, if a, an email is coming in from company ABC and they've got a, you know, unique Excel attachment on it that maybe has some embedded macros that may or may not be good. It might be coming from a, from a domain you deal with all the time. So spam filter is looking at it as this is approved. What the ATP is going to do then is take that document, unpackage it, run some simulations to see what, are, what is this coding in the background really going to do and if ultimately it finds that it's you know of malicious intent it's going to it's going to um, quarantine off that email so that's an email where in a situation even with the spam filter you may have gotten that um, if that file that was attached wasn't a known bad file that spam filter picks up on so i think what it does it just gives you that extra layer of of security um, that's leveraging you know like again it's like that, that machine learning ai type technology that we all hear about this is it, you know, in place acting on behalf of your email account. So that's really one of the main benefits of it, um, you know, but it, it, the data that you get back from it, the insight that you get as an administrator is, is unbelievable. From a user, you, you really don't see it, really know it's a thing. Um, but from the administrator standpoint, 
you can see exactly where accounts are being targeted from, you know, throughout the world. Um, so, you know, let's just say from the Ukraine or something, you're noticing an uptick in attacks from there. That's going to trigger you to make a policy to block all activity from Ukraine if you don't do any business with a country like that. So I think that's what it does is it kind of gives you the data as an administrator as well to make smart decisions to help, you know, bolster your security. Yeah, absolutely. Again, another another great tool uh, and really just it should be kind of a basic add on for any Microsoft 365. But uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, to listen today and uh, we look forward to we'll we'll be back again uh, uh we'll try to k- keep on a good schedule this year and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again interact with tech talk detroit at techtalkdetroit.com or on facebook twitter and instagram